Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Janet Namaste, and I'm here to help you awaken your hidden talents and gifts that you're destined to share with the world. So whether you're brand new to meditation, healing, regression, or well into your spiritual journey, this podcast will bring you the clarity that your heart has been seeking. You will hear beautiful and powerful stories from world-renowned healers and global change makers that will inspire you as you journey through your destined path. Join me as we dive in together. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Janet Namaste, the podcast. And if this is your first time tuning in, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so honored to have you here, truly. You know, this is a podcast where you can explore anything and everything from spirituality to money, to empowerment, to reprogramming your subconscious beliefs, to your own healing journeys. And through my own spiritual journey, I've learned how to heal and manifest miracles. So having built a global heart-based business, doing what I absolutely love, alongside being a wife for almost 20 plus years, (laughs) a mom to two amazing teenagers. I truly believe that we all have the power to create miracles and our own version of heaven on earth. And today's guest truly is someone who is creating heaven on earth, is the one and only Mr. Tony Rich aka the Tony Rich Project. And I really, really enjoyed this talk. You know, we could have spoken for days. I mean, time just stood still. You know, we were in this field that we created. And this soul exudes strict coolness, like from the way he articulates his creativity, his language, his vibe, his art, you know, his being is just cool. Coolness. It's simply radiant. So, you know, truly, we spoke for a very long time. And when you're in the flow, it's as if the angels press the pause button. And after our recording, I realized, oh, my God, this is like a lot of footage. (laughs) It was like almost two hours of footage or something. So I actually decided to honor the length of the transmission for its beauty. It's it's a work of art, you know, instead of editing the contents, you know, or any of that stuff that mu- musicians and producers do, you know, we'll leave it all there out in the raw to inspire and elevate your consciousness if you allow, you know, if you're in the flow. So there's just too much delectable wealth in here. So the knowledge that Tony shares with his almost 50 years life experience, which is pretty wild because he looks like he's in his 20s. And I think he found the fountain of youth, guys. He truly, truly did. You know, um, I think the secret of his youth is um, and of his like longevity of of holding that that beauty that is within is honoring the pause between the rat race of the 3D world and his connection to the divine source, which is truly his inspiration. You know, he meditates every day. He lives in gratitude. He 
honors life. And I, I just love the way he genuinely lives by example and practices what he preaches, you know, to be proactive and listen to the voice of your intuition and heart and not reacting to the 3D realities. You know, there's so many people out there, as we all know, that they say one thing and then behind closed doors, they're, you know, not not who they appear to be, which is not for us to judge by no means. But this man truly exudes of what you see is what you get, you know, and it's pure truth. So for those of you that are part of my Soul Storm membership or follow me on Instagram at Janet.namaste, we speak a lot of what 3D and 5D realities are. And the souls that are in alignment with the 5Ds are they're direct channelers of their own creativity, you know, they're creative artists, musicians, artisans, singers, authors, performers, like they're exuding something from source, like truly without allowing the density of the every everyday doldrum of, of life, you know what I'm talking about? So these are people that are just when you tune in, and this is what I, what I tune into when I meditate every day, it's something beyond our comprehension. It's a direct channel of messages from the masters, messages from our guides, from spirit. And it's, this is what Tony is truly. It's, you know, it's not like, um, those that what 3d is, it's a, it's like you have an idea and you think I have a great idea and I'm going to put these things out there and it's going to get built out in the way that I envision. But what 5D is, is you actually envision and you connect to that that emotion, that feeling of, of what you would like it to transpire. What would you would like your reality to look like? What would you like your canvas to be? And then you step into that, that canvas and live your life according to that reality instead of adjusting to the reality of the dense concrete jungle <laughs> of 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 the world sometimes so um tony truly is someone who creates his field of reality in the most colorful way although he does speak about in his art how he utilizes you know the the different shades of black and white you know when he does his artwork you know of oils and different mediums of of paint it's just totally remarkable um and in his mindset knowing what he knows like deep inside of him i love how he creates this beautiful stage of you know it's it's not of becoming and this is like of, of being truly comfortable in your skin but having the world accepting you for who you are and the way he speaks and it's not in an egotistical way it's like of acceptance of loving thyself it's it's just so admirable there's a harmony you know there's a whole philosophy of not being a sheep you know of or lamb like you know being being a lion being being the king of your own domain and and being the king of your love so it's it was really just such an amazing um conversation i really really enjoyed it you know we spoke about the book, um, and I forgot the name of the book when when I was when I was recording. But there's a, a book. I think it said every um, 
everything i forgot it i forgot it again <laughs> i think it's i think it's everything you need to know you learned in kindergarten goodness i freaking butchered that but anyway um i'll get it right I really need to know i learned in kindergarten got it <laughs> and it's truly about the wisdom that is within and that's what we need to learn you know is how to utilize those skills that we have innately about sharing you know finding your passion and just sharing it and really what ultimately what ultimately matters is a relationship with yourself and how you show up in the world that you could go to sleep at night with just peace in your heart knowing that you did the best you can so it was such an amazing conversation because that book, we kind of bring it back to everything I needed to learn. I learned during the music years, which is like when he was in production at age 21. And for those of you that are in my numerology program, you know, the age of 21, what that means, that's the year where we're surrendering. That's the year where we are tuning into the inner child, where we're connecting to our true soul's essence, where we stop ignoring of what our soul calling is and we step into our power. And that's what happened to Tony when he turned 21, um, there's this energy of naivete and of a lot of courage as well. But what he learned is how different systems, especially the music industry, how it works. And what he exudes is that, you know, when everything fails, like in a sense of, and it's not about false expectations, you know, he was brought up with divine feminine energy, like really strong women by his side. And when he realized, and he has brothers, he has four brothers and um, of there's this brotherhood, there's a camaraderie, there's trust. But when you're out there, I guess, in the music industry, not everyone is your friend, right? It's, um, it's, it's almost like of looking at you as um, how they can utilize you and market and so on and so forth of the talent that you have. So I love how he doesn't get connected to just the material aspects of and the fame of what it brought and the attention that it brought to him. He really was completely grounded. You know, we spoke a lot about people, those that love chasing fame and about the addiction that happens, like the endorphins and this dopamine that, that, that goes on about with the attention that you get. Um, and it isn't lasting. It isn't, it just isn't lasting. That, that fame isn't lasting. What's, what is lasting truly in reality is peace. It's happiness. It's when you're comfortable being not, alone in a sense of lonely but happy within yourself you know alone doesn't mean unhappy so there's a difference of knowing you know that you're forever loved that you're a gift and not needing the approval of others of your self-worth it's it's something to say you know it's something to say and he's just so authentic you know that's what makes tony whole is he just says it the way it is um we're works in progress just like his journey to awakening like what he mentioned in that it's constant it's it's a, a constant flow every day it's like you're getting you're getting revived every day and 
it's you get one step higher, one step higher. You may get you may take one step back. It's a journey. It is just a journey. You know, Tony is an amazing storyteller and he is one that lives his life in authenticity and his art and everything that he does. So his actual professional bio is he is a Grammy award winning singer and songwriter. He's a producer and um, of the Tony Rich Project. And it gained worldwide attention and success with his smash hit. Nobody knows after a few years of writing, producing for other artists such as Elton John, Boys to Men, Tony Braxton, Michael Bolton, and so many more. So he has contributed to the sale of over 50 million albums. He is the son of a father who is also a visual artist and who played piano and who loved theater and a mom who loved design as well and was just a maternal nurturer. And he was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. He loved art. He always like drew um, pictures and that's what he loved how to express himself when he was a child. And later on when he got older and he was 21 years old, he chose um, his career in music when he was 21. And till this day, he continues to live in authenticity. He continues to create amazing music, beautiful art, photography, and um, he truly he truly is what we call a voice of reason for those who need insight and guidance in navigating the varying dynamics of living life and relating to others. He's, he's a wise man. He really is. And what he says is, um, I found visual arts to be in the same realm of creative expression as music. The canvas is the bed of music and the colors of the melodies. Even in conversation, to discover is to take revelation, supply, and watch your life take new shapes. Every creative expression is a life force of vibration and manifestation energy. Enjoy Tony Rich. So what I love, like when the moment that I met you was just like when you walked in and I'm like, wait, are you Tony? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> and it was, you know, my my impression of when um, our friends, you know, Melissa that introduced the two of us, like uh, yeah. she's like, Tony's outside. I'm like, wait, I'm clearing the space. And when we right. met in, in Florida, it was a past life regression event. Like who'd ever think that Tony Rich would be going to a past life regression event <laughs> with Janet Namaste, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but how what was that experience like for you? For, for me, that that experience was um, everybody that knows me knows that I'm into what I call weird things. Anything that sounds like it's outside of the norm, I'm with that, right? Case in point friend of mine that said, hey, man, you got to go get this facial. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I said, I've had a facial before. She said, no, no, this is different because they use electric current. I was like, yo, I'm in, book me. You know, it's, that's all I need is that little extra edge. And then I'm interested. So when Melissa, because um, Melissa and I would always have our um, rabbit hole discussion. So when she told me about it, I was like, past life regression. That sounds complicated and interesting. Yeah. <laughs> book me in and she was like, yo, but it's all sold out. I'm like, yeah, but still try to get me in. So, um, and then when I got there, it was the whole, that whole compounds just so yeah, interesting, it's awesome. Awesome, right? Yeah. How everything was so 
these different um, stores and restaurants were so connected. And then when I found my way there, I was like, you know, even walking in and, you know, removing your shoes and um, uh, what, what is what's this thing she was doing? Um, saging. We were, we, were, we were saging. We were yeah, saging was, was, like a, was that a hawk or eagle feather? Some type of yes, feather. yeah, it was a shamanic type of feather. Yeah, yes, yeah. so when all that was happening, I was like, Oh, yeah, this is awesome! Like, I because I, I just love all that. And then to see how everyone was placed in the room some people sit on the floor, some in that that, that chair that looked like a throne, uh, and then the sofas and things like that. I was like, Yeah, this is this is going to be really cool. And um, so I, I was I was completely open to it because. I know how to be within a room and still be within myself, so to speak. You know, it's kind of sort of like when I travel, like people are like, yo, you, you're always by yourself. Like, no, I'm surrounded by people. But it's in, when I travel a lot, it's oftentimes the most isolated time that I have, even though I'm surrounded by people. So I, I thought it was a great experience because it was all about learning how to take yourself there. That's how I saw mm. it. And it was it was all about reducing expectations and just sort of just being present in in that moment in time. And even even some of my observations and looking at the people in the room, what I found to be amazing was just just parallel to like when um when I'm performing and I'm on stage, everybody in that room wanted to be there in that room at that time. So there mm. has to be some purpose there. Because why else would they be? They could have been anywhere. But and so exactly. I, was, I, I was grateful to be in that space. Um, and then it was a, uh, just what you were teaching, the fact that you were teaching first before we were like actively doing anything. I thought that was great because it, that's the way you should do it. Like, okay, let me get you all here. So you understand where we're going as opposed to like just thrusting you in there and they're like, I don't know what's going on, you know? So I thought that was, that was like really, really important to do. So I enjoyed that. No, thank you. And I remember, you know, it's like this, it was a beautiful journey, you know, it was a beautiful yeah. journey. Yeah. And it was an it was an honor to have you there as well, because it's it's like it, it's true. You could be anywhere in the world, and all of us ended up at that place at that time. You know, there was some divine orchestrated type right. of energy that brought us, brought us there, you know. Right. Um but what was what was your journey of awakening? You know, like you were a Grammy Award winner. You've you've really like followed the path of of your your dharmic creative. Um, it's visionary, you know. Truly, it's like you have this beautiful um, way of viewing life, and I just love how you just step into that path with such courage and such aspiration. What, how did that journey begin with you? I think, quite honestly, there was a lot of things that became, I've always been a very curious kid, you know, but I think my curiosity really, really peaked when I was nine years old, because that's when I, I started singing. I was already, I already knew I had like artistic abilities because my dad, you know, we would see dad drawing pictures all the time. Mom would, um, was designing clothes all the time. So we're, we were always seeing that me and my, my older brother. So I knew that, okay, we must have these, these abilities as well. And so I started to, I think at a very early age, I was always on this thing of who am I? Who am I becoming? Um, and then later on, I started to become fascinated with, 
is what I'm doing who I am, or is it just something I'm doing, right? So with with music, um, well, with art first, I, I could always I could create these images from my imagination. I always thought that that was pretty interesting. The fact that it's a blank piece of paper, and then I I start sketching, and then it's something there. Um, with music, it was the same thing. It was just be like silence because in music, music is mostly silence. And if you're going to do anything, if you're going to add anything to it, it needs to make sense, right? So I was like, okay, I would sit there with music and I was like, I would come up with these beats and chords and melodies. And, and oftentimes my pieces of music was not necessarily structured in a way where it would play on the radio. Sometimes I would do like 15, 15 minute pieces of music because it was just, it was just taking you on this journey. And I would paint these, these visual um, pictures with sound. Like I was like, and my brother would, my brother was more of a structural type of songwriter. So he'd be like, yo, man, where's the hook, man? Where's the, where's the repetition? And I was like, I said, man, I'm just vibing. It's just a vibe, right? And, and we would just groove. And that, and that was, that was how I started playing around with music when I was like nine years old. And I remember the very first song that I wrote was called Girl. Um, because at an early age, I had fascinations with girls. I just thought girls were like, cooler than guys you know what I'm saying so it's like yeah, I'm Tony, it's not a, it's not an early age it's even at all ages for you <laughs> yes. I was like you gotta call a spade a spade yes I was like yeah my first song was called girl and um but it was um when I started doing music it totally changed how I saw everything mm. so in in high school I was in a marching band and my band teacher said so, son, are you going to? Um, are you still going to college? I said, no, nah, I changed my mind. He says, well, what are you going to do? I say, I'm going to go into the music business. And he says, because at a very early age, I was, I had a clear understanding of the laws of attraction, right? So, I said, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to music business. And he says, really? I said, yeah. And it's in the same amount of time that my other classmates will go to college, and hopefully get the job that they study for, I'm going to be a professional. So he said, mm, okay. And he laughed, but he wasn't laughing in a way like he doubted what I was saying. I think he was laughing like, okay, this, this is a pretty ambitious and bold statement for this kid to make. So I graduated high school in 93, um, not 93, 89. Um, and all of my classmates went to college. But it was, 90, it was March 93. I was a professional in the music business. They were still in college. So once I tasted that, I was like, oh, this, is, this tastes good. So from that point on, I would just say these things I was going to do, I was going to achieve. Um, but that was, that was basically the start of it was me visualizing what I was, not what I wanted to become. And I would walk around and tell my mom, yeah, I'm this, I'm that. And she'd be like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then it happened for me. And once it happened, it tastes good. And when something tastes good, you just want to keep eating it. So I would then from that point on, I would, I would just say these things, it was, it was gonna happen and I would see the reality of it and not just see the reality of it, I would feel the reality of it. And yeah, I know that everything around me was totally not what I was saying, but I could not, not know that where I was going was where I was going. And I, and I developed this saying that I would say to people all the time, I'm always gonna be more than okay, no matter what. 
But that was the start of it. And that was, that was, uh, I started my music career in 90, that was in 93 when I started it. And it was, uh, um, it was a lot going on at that time, but it was, it was becoming more and more clear. That was the start of clarity for me. That's amazing. 1993, I graduated high school. <laughs> 89, I yeah, 1990, yes. 1993. Yeah, that, yeah, was, yeah. That, was, that was the year I graduated high school. But I, I love like, you know, how you utilize the law of attraction, even at a, at a young age. And yeah. it's just creating that field of reality of something, that passion that is inside of you, where other people probably would ignore at times. And they just kind of like, you know, they're sheeple, they just go along like this is what I supposed to be doing. It's you have a backup plan and a backup backup plan, but it takes great it takes it takes great courage. But it also takes some innate knowledge of creating that field, like you did that field of reality of making of who you are, and just doing it. You know more than okay. Yeah, it's like um, it's like imagination, right? Um, mm -hmm. My youngest daughter is twenty years old, and I told her, I always tell her, listen. Don't be afraid to think more broad in your imagination of what you want to do with your life. Like, just don't be afraid of that. It's no different than someone saying like, hey, name an, uh, an amount of money that, that you, you feel right now at this point in your life will, be, uh, will make significant change. And somebody said like $100,000. And I said, well, so why are you afraid of a zero? They said, what do you mean? I said, add a zero to it, it's a million. Like, mm -hmm. but, be, but before the decimal point, not after. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, it's, but it's one of those things. But it's, it, it's for me also, once I got in the music business, mm -hmm. I quickly started to understand something. I knew that I was very, very different than a lot of people that I was working with at the time. Because my goal wasn't, it wasn't to be, I never wanted to be famous. That wasn't my goal. I just wanted to create music um, because I always had a great sense of happiness when doing that. So that was what my goal was. When I did a record as an artist, it was out of curiosity. I didn't have nothing to prove because I was already working on other artists and I was making um, a good living from doing that. But then when I did my own record, it was just out of curiosity. Like, eh, let's see what happens. And then it took off and then it created a relationship between myself and a lot of people that I may never meet again. And I became, in their eyes, a teacher of sorts or a person that was um, willing to put my vulnerability on record for them to replay over and over again. And it became something that made them feel understood. And once I got a taste of that, I was all in for being that artist to provide that music. And I knew how to do it was to number one, be true to myself in what I was expressing, understanding that I am not making this music for people. I'm making this music to get these things out of my mind. Mm -hmm. And then I'm gonna share a copy with them. And then they will experience what they experience because I knew that that's the only way that I would create the best um, expression for them is that it had to come from a true place. And so in all of that that was going on, it was all about me making sure that I was staying true to who I was becoming because who I was becoming was what I was doing, right? I, I understood the purpose of, of why I was doing music. 
but at the same time knowing that that's not my only creative expression but at that time that's the one it was it's sort of like when you and i were talking about uh, i think you had mentioned uh, people that get things done are people that do one thing at a time i think you had mentioned mm, that as opposed to yes, yes. have a hundred things going on yes and so that was my thing. And I was like, okay, I know I, I'm an artist. I know I like photography and I do all these other things, but I'll say I'm going to start with music first. And so I put all in, all energy into that. That was, that's yes. why I, I think that's why I was successful at it because I, I had tunnel vision with that, knowing that I had these other things right. in my arsenal, you know, but I was like, yeah, I'll get to those eventually in a lifetime. So yeah, that was that was my start with that, and and you're right. Courage. It's one thing to know who you are or what it is you're supposed to do. It's another thing to have the courage to step into that. And I've always had the courage to step into that. That is that is the truth. But I love how I, you started. Actually, your career was it was writing songs, right? Writing songs. Writing other, yeah, writing songs for other people. Which is which is amazing because words have energy. Words have you know power associated with it. Every single letter, every single vibration, every single octave has yeah. a certain vibration associated with it. So it's like literally like you channeling in the yes. vibe of what it is of how this is. It's not about. I, I love I love what you said. It's just like your true expression, mm -hmm. finding your purpose, and you're just giving it away. And hopefully that it will bring out that spark in others. So how, how did you gain when you're, when you're writing and, and, and producing songs for other people, how do you get that inspiration? Where do you get that inspiration? Like, let's say who, like for Tony Braxton or yeah. Elton John, and I mean, Michael Bolton, there's so many, right. You know, that you've um, written songs for, but how do you do you connect to like the energy of, for instance, Tony Braxton, or is it something when you write for others? Where did you find that inspiration? Well, where did it go through? Well, what, what happens with when you're writing for other people, it's a totally different animal than when I write for myself, right? So when I write for myself, it's it's from the brain to the recording. It's like everything about it is mm -hmm. all based upon um, for me what I'm going through, what I'm imagining, what I'm experiencing. Um, I always see every place, every interaction with a person as a um, like an avenue to a certain number of songs that's going to be inspired. But when you're writing for other people, it's very, very different because I, I always preferred working, writing songs for other artists to co-write with them because I saw the importance of them having input into what they're saying so that when they're singing these songs they, they they believe it because they know it because it's them but oftentimes what you would find is that some artists don't write songs so you have to completely come up with it yourself so i'll never forget doing this song from michael bolton uh, we we co-wrote three songs together and then there's one song i had for him and it was called fallen and um i i gave him the demo and he says he could not detach in his mind, how good I sound singing it. But I said, mm. oh, Michael, you, you got to sing this. I mean, because I would never say this. This is not anything that I would ever say. I, 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 this is something 
that you would say. So when you're working for other artists, like writing songs to them, there is, you do have to give some, um, some study into the types of things that they would say or have a discussion with them about some things that may be on their minds. And what you're doing is you are just going to channel what they're saying, what they're feeling in yeah. the song. So it, it's sort of like, it's, this, it's a similar process to when you write for yourself. It's just that you're pulling, you're pulling uh, the experience or whatever from a, a different brain and then filtering yeah. it through your, your skill of writing, right? Same thing with Toni Braxton. Toni Braxton, she didn't, the songs that I did on her, it wasn't, she didn't write those songs, but the, um, it was one of those things where she could sing them. And that's one of the beautiful things about artists that are able to interpret what was written. So when you're a singer songwriter, you're interpreting what you wrote. A singer that didn't write it, they're interpreting what you wrote, you know? So it's just, mm. it's just sort of like, like musical chairs in that sense, but it was, the inspiration for songs generally for me comes from what I'm experiencing. If I'm, if I'm writing with someone, then it's sort of like a collaboration. All right. So let's, let's talk about some things. I like to have discussions with artists and just see what, what kind of topics they would be interested in, in talking about. No, I love that. You're channeling, you're reading their field. Right. You know, it's, it's very, it's the creative intuitive, you know, that, right. that is within you that's otherwise you it doesn't come out genuine at all and then when you listen to a song that you know was written by somebody else and if it feels disingenuous then it's not it's not selling all those records it feels it's forced it's forced so I you really need to have like it's like this beautiful dance this coherence of Mm-hmm. you know, vibing with, with what they're feeling at the time. It's, it's being a musical psychologist too, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? That, 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 is so, that is so true. Man. When I would perform oftentimes, because I was always charged with something, um, I always knew that people would know my hit single when I first came out, but I never assumed that they would know any other songs I would perform before or after that. So what I would have to do is, all right, I'm going to set them up for this song. So I would talk. Mm. I would talk to them. And I would talk to them much like you did at that session to get them in the headspace of what I'm going to be talking about. And so I would, I would tell a story about the inspiration of that song. And then it would be super quiet in the room because I know I had their attention now. And I'm like, yeah, I got them. It, it reminds mm. me of a moment when I did this performance at um, Thurgood Marshall College Fund. They were, it was a fundraiser. And, and um, John B. was actually performing before me. And people in the room, they were chattering, you know, because they're eating dinner. They're chattering, just talking over his performance. And a friend of mine was like, so what are you going to do mm. get up there? I said, oh, that's not going to happen to me. She says, really? I said, you'll see. So I get on stage and we do our first song. We open up. They open the curtains. We're, over, we're doing our first song. And then once we stopped, I said, okay, let me just say this to you all. And you can hear the chatter. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know, when you're talking while someone is on stage performing, you're damn near rude. And then you heard people going, shh, shh, shh. Mm-hmm. Nobody it's wants right. to even put their fork down after right, that. Right. Mm-hmm. But you, you can hear people that wanted to know what I was about to say, telling everybody else to be quiet. And next mm-hmm. you know, it was just like, a, you could hear a pin drop. And then I said, I said, because you never know that I might say something 
this music might make you feel something that you never felt before. It could be a pivotal point in your life of change. So just be quiet and listen. And everybody was quiet. So then after I was done, people were running up to me saying like, how'd you get people to um, quiet down? I said, listen, there's more than one way. And you can, there's a loving way to tell everybody to shut up. You just gotta, you just gotta know how to do that. And I said, listen, this is what I do for a living. I know I have to know how to use words in a way to get certain results. And at that point, they were quiet and they would listen. And I was like, ah, so that's sort of like one of the ways you sort of set people up. And then I start to notice from that point on, I would, when I, whenever I would perform, I was, I was having these, these very teachable moments in between songs because I just didn't think people would know the song. So I had to get them in a space where they would be willing to really hear what the song was saying. So I've been doing that for years because I always assume people don't know all my music. And it's also you a know, very thing as well. But it's also, you know, like it's the yin and the yang. That's a very yin thing to do, like in a sense of you're creating a nurturing space, but the yang aspect of it is mm -hmm. like, is is setting up some sort of order, you know, some right. sort of, but but in a very nurturing way. And it's right. it's it's also about courtesy as well. You know, yep. people are, people are, you know, there are times where people think even speaking over one another of even of etiquette and, right. um, but there's so much magic in lyrics. There's so much magic in every single, even the art, you know, which I want to segue um, to it right now. We're actually, well, before we start talking about your art, I want to know, where did you actually grow up? Where were you born? I was born in Detroit, Michigan. Nice. Um, yeah, it was a, Detroit was a really interesting place to grow up because, you know, as kids, we, we, we had a lot of outside activity, right? Mm -hmm. But once I, once I tapped into my, um, to music and art, I was, um, I would just spend a lot of time inside doing that. But it was, um, it was, I can I can honestly say that as a as a kid I had a really fun childhood with my brothers and my cousins, um, but once once me and my brother got it really into music that that sort of took us away from childish things you know we were very much into being creative and under, and even understanding the uh, the technical aspects of it too I became really geeky with that and but yeah but Detroit was a was a rough place but we. We were, I have to honestly say, I was, I was raised on love, not survival, even though that was a place where you had to survive, but we were surrounded, I was surrounded by love. A lot of female energy um, raised me and my brothers, um, and which I thought was beautiful because we saw so many different examples of strength and love and control and um, understanding and encouragement. And it was all from the women in our family. You know, and it, I thought that was that was beautiful, and I think that was another thing that you know, it heightened my um, my appreciation for uh, why I feel more safe around women. I feel more protected. I don't feel like I'm gonna be stabbed in the back by women. I just don't. Um, and I think it's because of the examples that were set by my mother, my aunts, and my grandmothers. It was just a beautiful, beautiful time. But yeah, Detroit was. That was the place I grew up. I, I was there until 21, and then I moved to Atlanta, started my career. 
Amazing, amazing. Yeah. Yesterday, when we when we were speaking, you spoke about your aunts and like of the wisdom that yeah. you know the the words of wisdom of of your aunts of how life gets so crazy sometimes. But what were the words that she said when you were like, "Enough so is enough." She said, "Simplify your life." Yeah, that's all she said. Right, and mantra. It's, when she said that, it was like in my brain, it was like this. Uh, it was like this pyramid formed of like, okay, here's the simplicity here. But when she said there's all these things and I looked at everything and I knew exactly what I needed to do, right? I was like, okay, yeah. simplify. This is gonna be easy. You know, it's gonna take some time. Uh, it, it took a few years, but I saw the progress and I would notice the progress over time was to get it simple. And it reminded me when she said that was, cause it took me to a point where I remember when I bought my first home, I didn't want to. It's just that my accountant said, you're making a lot of money and you have no expenses. No write-offs. <laughs> write-offs. Taxes. So I'm like, yeah. like, yeah, man, but I don't really, I don't really need much. He said, yeah, I understand that, but you're going to have to get a house. Um, and so that took me, and the whole time I was in that house, I just never, I, I just always loved, um, my philosophy was, if I can't walk every square foot of where I live, every day, then it's, that place is too big for me, right? So I, I never really wanted all of that, that extra, the extra stuff that complicates your life. I never really wanted all that. But here it was, I was, I was in it. And I was taking care of more than one household for a long time. And that was, that was all of the complications. And then the music business was becoming more complicated. And I was like, yo, this, this is so distracting because it's like I, I'm not creating music in the same way I did because I have so many things going on. It totally changes your focus, you know. But um, yeah, it was a those those are those are really interesting periods of time. How old are you when that happened? I was uh, let me see. When I got into the business, I was 21. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say when I was let me see 90. Man, let me see, 99, no, 96 was my first album came out. So from between 96 and 99, it was like crazy. The, yeah. Just like, you know, the levels of complication was that all that ramped up in that time. And I want to say around 2002 was when I started to like simplify things, you know, and I was on that quest. And my thing was like getting things down to basically zero, achieving nothingness, being okay with sitting still, not doing nothing and finding great happiness and satisfaction in that. All of those things, that, that was my thing. People look at me like, yo, what are you doing? Like, listen, I said, I'm on a, I'm on a quest to really be okay with who I am and who I've become. Um, and not feel it because you know, I've always, I always had this, this great understanding of knowing what what gave me complete satisfaction. It's always simple things like I could eat the same thing every day and I'll be fine. Um, I didn't really have to go places to have a great time, like wherever I deemed my home. That was always the best place to be over over every other place, you know, so it was it was interesting to see that I, I always maintained my focus on getting to this place of enlightenment 
And as you say, we talk about awakening. I was telling a friend of mine yesterday. Yeah, exactly. so the thing about awakening is that you will, if you're on the right path, you're going to keep waking up a lot. It's not just one time. Exactly. It's a, it's a constant cycle. You know, you think you're awake and then you're like, wait, there's mm -hmm. something else. There's something yeah. else. There's something else. It's, it's all about the quest. It's all about the journey. You know, it, it truly yeah. is. But it's like, okay, so you, you, you found that it's just you, that money possessions, you don't get buried with that. You know, that is, that's not the end all be all of happiness. That's not the journey of awakening. The journey of awakening is realizing not to get attached, right? It's the non-attachment. Exactly. Because there's this, there's this saying about the trappings of success. Yeah. That yeah. Is so Tell true. me about that. Because there are, there are trappings because it goes like this. Yeah. When you are a young creative, with ambitions to be successful at what you do. And then once you start making money, money you've never seen before, you will find yourself buying things that you've always wanted. And some people go crazy. I, I was never really crazy like that at all. I said, but what happens is, let's just say you're this young creative and you got this, you know, this thing going on and you're successful and then boom, you buy a house. Now you have a mortgage. Never had a mortgage before. Now you have a mortgage. Right. And right at that moment, now you have household expenses. So now you have to continue to make more money than you were making before you got the house to keep the house. And it just piles on. More things you get. Now your, your motivation is different now. And, and then the fame, which is a disease. Mm, I it is. Yeah. Well, of course. Because it if you it's a disease if you desire it right some people are just famous in the eyes of other people and they, they really don't care about that but once you become entrapped in it because the fame is the thing that will cause some people to think that oh i can't do anything other than what i do because people what people will think of me traps them yeah puts them Trap. in a box yeah mm. and i I never wanted to be trapped in that. Like I never, not one time ever hired a security guard. If I wanted to feel secure going somewhere, I just took my brothers with me. Cause I have, <laughs> I have four brothers. My brothers will protect me, whether they're, they're getting a check or not, it doesn't matter. So, but I never felt it, um, unsafe. I would travel by myself places all the time. I would never, I've never had any of that craziness like, um, people going crazy with my autograph like no it was it was never like that my because i just never believed the hype and when you're an artist and they're promoting you they're marketing you to people and they're promoting you as if you're the best thing since sliced bread i'm like my thing was always i knew i was good at what i do before you told me that we just agree on something now but that doesn't make Love me that. better than anybody else it just makes me hey i'm just different than you but we're human beings. So my thing was, I never wanted to be entrapped. And I watched so many people be that way. But at the same time, even when you are not trying to be entrapped in it, you will have to deal with some of the residues of those entrapments. It just, it is what it is because you will fall in the perception that you are that way. 100%. 100%. They'll put you in that stigma. Yep. Yeah, but, I, but at the same time, I have no control of what people think about me. And quite honestly, it's none of my business what they think of me. But I have to accept the reality that that's what it is.
people hear your voice on the radio, see your face on TV, and then they see you in person and they're like, oh my God. But what I've always experienced was people walk up to me and say, hey man, I I like what you do. I say, thanks and keep it pushing. Like I've always kept things normal and ordinary around me. I've always been able to move around like I wanted to without all that stuff because I never had a desire to be famous. But you know, the thing that the thing is, is that what you're talking about ordinary mm-hmm. is what true abundance, abundance and true peace actually is. Yes. This is what people are constantly seeking. When I'm when I'm going to be famous, I'm going to this is what's going to happen. Yeah. After I have, you know, this amount in the bank, that's when I'm going to be happy. Mm-hmm. After this, like they put all these things when in reality, you you found it all along. All that other stuff was just, you know. You know, yeah, right. I I started reading uh, J. Christian Murti back in, um, I want to say it was maybe 2006. Friend of Mm -hmm. mine, I walk into his house. He says, yo, man, this is your brain in a book. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what is this? I see J. Christian Murti. I was like, who is this, man? He says, look, go to the Bodhi tree on um, Melrose. Go find his books. So I started reading his books. And uh, I was like, yeah, okay, I see what he's saying. But J. Krishnamurti said something once, which was, to be great is to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that. I was like, yeah, that is interesting. Because I start, I start, because in the world, people think that someone is great because they're famous and you can see them. Then I started thinking about like, no, because when people ask me about, hey, what's the... What's, what's a, you know, some nice music or great music you can listen to? I would name artists that they never heard of before. And I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. When I've been asked, hey, what's the best project you have worked on? I said myself as an individual, that's my favorite project. I said, because that's, that's the thing that I'm always working on. I'm always working on improving myself, improving myself to the most simple form because that's greatness. Being surrounded, um, it's not about being draped in all these different things. It's like, yo, like I can walk into a room with jeans and a t-shirt on and people think that I'm being fashionable where this other guy can walk in draped in $500,000 and all this other stuff. Yeah, I get the same attention just wearing jeans and a t-shirt. And that, that just tells me that I've, um, I've, I've achieved being true to myself, exactly who I'm supposed to be. And I like me, I'm my favorite person. And you see, and that's, and that's real love because some would be like, oh my God, this is a bit narcissistic. Oh, I love <laughs> yeah. me, I love me. But in reality, it's being, you know, the humble, it's, it's being humble and humility and, all of those things of just being comfortable being who you are, even when um, people are doing, they're donating money to a cause. It's yeah. always best, you know, like this is, you know, my husband and I, this is not for any points or at, at whatever. We always give anonymously. Right. Always. Yeah. Always, no matter what, whether it's, you know, a dollar, whether it's a billion dollars. Right. It's always about being anonymous because it's about the intention for what the purpose may be. You know, right. it's just things. But I love like 
how you're acquiring all of it's the knowledge and of the Zen that you feel inside as part of your your soul bank instead of your your piggy bank. You know what right. I'm saying? Exactly. Because yeah, you no, know, it's one of those yeah. things where awesome. I, I have found that because of how I invest in people. Yeah. I, because I invest um, in a way that um, with with things that money can't buy, right? So my friends know that I'm going to be the person that if they if they saw an alien, okay, sitting in their living room, they know I'm going to be the person to say, "Really, what color was that?" Right? I'm not going to tell them you're crazy. I'm like, no, tell me all about it. Like, and I and I always say this to people that I love. It's like, yo, you're safe here. This is a safe space. Like, I, mm-hmm. I always tell them I'm I'm their mothership. It's like, yo, you can go and do whatever it is you want to do. I'm always that friend that's going to be willing to listen to you and understand you. That's what I have to give is love. Love is my, that's my offering. Um, I give it through my music, my art and everything. Um, Because I think that I love to be great at what I do, whatever that is, even if it's just listening. I could be a great listener. So I just, I just try to, and I look at it like, even for myself, it's like, what do I need to be for myself at any given point in time? And it's the same thing for those that I love. Sometimes I just need to be an ear. Sometimes I need to be a person to give advice. Sometimes I just need to be that person you sit with and we just do nothing, just be quiet. Because silence is important too. And if you can have comfortable silence, that's a very, very healing thing as well. You know, but that's how you, that's how you, um, pardon me, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, it's, that's how you know you, you hit home, you know, you hit a home run when it comes down to relationships where you could just sit there with the, your loved one or somebody that you're spending, you know, time with. Right. And it's this, the uncomfortable silence is just, it, it's, it's something that brings so much wealth. And what I love also what you're, what you're speaking about, it's not just regular love, it's, unconditional love. I love you for who you are, not who I'd like you to be, you know, but that's, I love that you had that wisdom when you were very young, because I definitely didn't. I'll be completely right. candid. I mean, it's funny how you're like, oh, I, you know, your first song was girls, right? Yeah. It was about girls. My first song, and by the way, I'm so not a songwriter. I'm like, yeah. I just, um, and I don't have even a voice, but I remember when I when I um, was about 11 years old and I spent a lot of time alone, like I got mm-hmm. sick during that time and I was homeschooled for about eight months and um, I slept a lot throughout the day. And through that time, like I realized you got to you got to step into being who you are, not of what my father told me I have to become right. like exactly. this is what you know, we came into this country, you're going to get educated. This is what you're going to be doing. And I'm like, no, but this is my passion. And I was a young girl. And I remember writing a song at um, the age of 11. It was called Home. Ah, And and it was all about the feeling of the tangibility of feeling comfort in being accepted in different relationships and being accepted in the domain that you're in being, you know, but the most important thing was accepting yourself and being true to yourself, you know, but that was, I I wish I could find those lyrics somewhere. (laughs) My mother used to keep all of my little like notes and everything like that. But, um, 
but it's writing, really is, writing about, is therapeutic. Oh my God. It's, it's amazing. Writing is you're getting, you're getting your soul's voice on, on paper, you know, and then yeah. it becomes your vessel then expands for more of the divines like candy exactly. coming in, you know, yeah, you've got to write it, you write it down and yeah. get it off your head. Like my youngest daughter is, she's been writing a lot and she read some of her poetry to me. And I said, listen, get away from trying to rhyme. I said, just mm. write how you talk. And because that's going to resonate with people because it's not always rhymes in everyday life. You know, it's like some things, the rawness of your writing is, is it's like it, it's like when you say it like it is and that, that will resonate with people a lot more than if it sounds like you're rhyming, you're trying to, you're saying this to make it rhyme with that. But, um, one is one of the best things to do, especially when you're young, is to write down how you're feeling, what you're thinking. Um, I remember when the when I started to when the music business thing to segue into the art of how it it became uh, a very important creative expression for me because it was the creative expression that I used to um, sort of heal myself from what I went through in the music business. So at one point I had locks. I start twisting my hair, my hair locked. And I had beautiful locks, right? They were like, uh, I, I took pride in the fact that I didn't wash my hair for a year and my head didn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but at some point I decided to cut those locks off. This was 2000. I decided mm -hmm. to cut them off. So the guy who would maintain my hair comes over and I said, get the scissors. And he says, man, what are you doing? I said, just want to cut them off. And he's like, well, this guy was almost in tears because he felt like, man, look what we created with your hair. It's like, you want to cut them off? So yeah, cut them off. And I shaved all my facial hair off. And I told my mom and my brothers and everybody that I was going to Acapulco because I, they know I would go to Acapulco every month for a couple of weeks. And um, that was my retreat. And when I would go there, they wouldn't hear from me until I was called and say, who's picking me up from the airport? So I told him I was going away for a week and I wasn't going anywhere. I was staying in my house. And what I did was, I had, so I cut my locks off, shaved all my facial hair. I had, uh, I had some notepads and all I did for seven days, I didn't watch TV. I didn't talk on the phone. The highlight of my day would be washing fruit. That became an exciting thing to do was to wash fruit and eat mm. it. I would write music at nighttime only. During the day, I would meditate. I would write down what I was thinking, what I was seeing, what I was feeling. Um, I would bathe twice a day. Um, and that's all I did for seven days. I wanna say like maybe four days in, I started to really understand the importance of human interaction. Cause it was like, it was like this edge where I was starting to feel like, am I losing my mind? Like, cause this is like, this is really starting, I feel like I'm going through withdrawals of interaction. So when I finally made it through the seven days and I came out, I remember getting in my car to drive to the store and it felt like I had forgot how to drive. But that awakening was, dude, you're the only one that's different. You're the one that just isolated yourself for seven days. Everybody else is on the same thing they was before. And, it was, and I remembered I had to understand that, like, okay, this is it. And I remember not too long after that, I wrote a song called Traveling Alone. 
which was talking about, yeah, you might be surrounded by people, but you're the only one that's in your head. And you spend a lot of time there, so you should probably make it a nice place to be. That's, that's beautiful. Your home. So because, from that point, it was, it was, yeah. it was a, I was like, um, and I would tell people like, yo, you ever spent seven days by yourself? Like just by yourself? No technology, nothing like that? Mm -hmm. I know, man, you should try it. It, it, it was, uh, it was, that was major for me because it, it wasn't, it was different. It was like fasting from people. <laughs> like, but it, it is. You know you would, there's no interaction. It was, wow, that was such an amazing time because I, because I, I drew so much benefit from it. And then I understood the importance. It made me under, really appreciate interacting with people. But at the same time, understanding my need for isolation at times. Um, and that's one of, one of the things that I like about when I'm working on artwork is that it's very, very much like music when I'm working on music by myself, it's very, it's, it's isolating time. But in art, there's a lot of allowing, right? You, there's more allowing than it is manipulation. In, in, in music, it's all about manipulating sound but in art the chemical reaction between different mediums and paint and all that it's going to do things that you have no control over and you got to be okay with that you know so it's like that's what I, that's what I started to love about artwork was that it taught me to not feel like I got to have control over everything it taught me that I don't have control over everything and I need to be all right with that and so that's one of the beauties of that therapy for me in doing artwork is that I don't have com complete control over it and I'm all right with that. Well, your so artwork is beautiful. You know, Thank well, you. the most important thing is that you are right with that, but it's even, even there are times where you are amongst a lot of people and right. um, there's, there's a difference of being alone and lonely, you know? Very true. You, you could, you know, and it's, it's sometimes when we're alone, we're just never lonely. You know, I know I don't feel that way. You know, mm -hmm. I actually, it's, it's, but you need sometimes to take that pause um, and create that buffer. Yeah. So, um, cause there's so much wisdom, especially when you're surrounded by, you were in the music industry, you were in, surrounded by people all the time. You were going a hundred miles an hour and then all of a sudden you're like, wait, 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 I need to control the speed a little bit of this. Yes. And the only way is actually through isolation at times where you could get introspective. Yeah. And um, no, I think it's a beautiful thing. And one thing that I, that I realized when you're speaking about your hair and your locks and everything yeah, yeah. like that, our hair holds memory, you know, it holds memory. Yeah. And um, think about this. I'm going to, uh, you're, you're, you're so fascinated by, by the women's psyche. I'm going to let you in on something. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is, I'm going to let you in on something. You know that you pissed off a woman. I'll tell you what they, when she cuts her hair yeah. or when she go, or when, or when she goes blonde or suddenly yeah. she comes out with blue hair and you're like, what happened? <laughs> And I'll tell you, this is something that a lot of women won't tell you, but, yeah. but our hair holds memory. The American Indians also like, you know, 
um, the, when Christopher Columbus, this is even historical things, when Christopher Columbus came over and whatever it is, and they started shaving the hair off of American Indians and all these things, it was so right. desecrating, you know, because they don't cut hair. It was because of a spiritual aspect of right. like, even in certain, in certain cultures, like in, you know, Sikh religion, when yeah. they have, they're growing their beards and this has exactly. to do with certain different, um, I think this is moon energy as well, like around this area. So, so here we are, right. Um, with, with our hair and the moment when we get, get a haircut or whatever yeah. it is, you're like, all right, I'm done. I yeah. want something brand new. So yeah. there's something about if you are lucky enough on this, you know, while we're alive here now and we have, you know, hair, some people don't, they have right. alopecia, they have, they're going even through chemo, whatever it may right. be, right? There are times where they don't have hair, but our hair holds memory. So when you pissed off a woman, I can <laughs> tell you 1 billion percent she is getting a brand new haircut, a brand color new weave, right? a brand new collar, <laughs> a brand new, she's getting her hair like braided, unbraided, whatever it is. But it takes an emotional, like an emotional baboon yes. in order for us to do something with our hair. And it's a wake up. So that moment where you're like, here's, here are the scissors to your barber. And he's like, what are you doing? you had, you had what, like, you know, like, yes. it's like, like a, a wake up call, like yes. the way that, you know what I'm saying? Because while I was locking my hair, um, well, no, just prior to me locking my hair. Yeah. When I started locking my hair, I was on the verge of divorce. No way. Right. So that divorce wow. was all tied up in there. And then, and mm. then immediately after that, I was involved with, um, a woman that this relationship was, she turned out to be a pretty toxic person. So when I decided to cut my hair, I knew exactly why I was cutting my hair. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this all this gotta go. I'm not with this person no more. I'm done with that divorce or whatever. It's like, yo, the hair has to go. And he didn't understand it. I'm like, no, this bro, this has got to get off me. And he's looking like, he just didn't, he just didn't get it. I'm like, dude, come on, you have locks you know what's locked in your hair. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I got to cut it, get this, I got to move on. This is, I'm done, I'm done with it. So yeah, that's hair. It's, it's, yeah, that's like, it. yeah. So I had and it to- connects us, It connects us to our seventh chakra, it connects us to the divine, you know? And yeah. if you started meditating at that time too, you know, you, you, want, you want a clean slate, you know? So, you yeah. want to tell- Tavola Rosa, whatever that, whatever that looks like to you. What kind of meditations do you do? Like what, what, um, I don't regularly meditate like where I'm, when I sit down and it, it, it's interesting because I do believe that there's like many different forms of meditation. Sure. And I think that some, over the years I've discovered that I've been doing a lot of things, not knowing that's what I was doing, but that's what I was doing. Like I've been intermittent fasting for years. I never called it that. I never saw it as that. I just knew that I didn't like to eat until like four o'clock in the afternoon. But you know, that's called intermittent fasting, right? So um, even when it came down to meditation, I was like, I started thinking back, like, yo, there's been plenty of times where I'll just sit on my sofa and I just close my eyes, I just sit there. And I'm not really thinking about a lot. 
So I was like, yeah, I've always been meditating, but I just never said like, oh, let me meditate. I just sort of just sort of like move into these things. It's really interesting. Um, and then even in, um, even when I'm painting, it's like a, that's like a form of meditation because I don't really use brushes a lot. Um, I use my hands and I use um, uh, paint knives or um, sponges and rags and things. And I'm, and I'm doing this thing. And when I'm into that, I'm not thinking about nothing else. It is probably some of the most quiet, mindful time that I have is when I'm like art because there's no sound. That's you know what I'm saying? It's quiet. Yeah. It's just something I'm just into it. And I, and I really get into it. And then I look, then I'm fascinated when I see paint on my hands. I get excited. Equally as exciting as when I smell garlic on my fingers at the cook. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but it's like it's like when you're when you're when you're in the flow. Yeah. It's like you don't even feel that you know time has even gone by. You know. Right. You lose sense. Of time. You lose complete sense of time. You are you're operating in complete quantum. You know. Right. So that that medium of art of of you painting is just that's your form of meditation. You know, that is that is your form of, you know, connection of peace of Zen, you know, that's I, I love your artwork. I mean, it was, so it, it was such an, you know, like I loved seeing all of it. I see the depth. Um, it's interesting when I scan through everything, I'm like, wow, it's 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 as if something is painting through you, you know, utilizing all of the wisdom that you've attained, right. you know, throughout your life, you know, because it's not all like, um, yeah, this is this is my 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 creative journey. I'm going to be a great this and and yeah. all success. It's not it's not great idea. Success, beautiful, no. Um, and I love and I see that and I see the depth in in the painting, like the the emotions of it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's like with with what I what I'll do with um, this is a piece I'm working on now. Some pieces, it's like life lessons for me because I will get to a certain point. Mm -hmm. where I had an intention of how I wanted this piece to look and it starts taking a turn and I don't like the way it's looking. And, and then I have this thing that I say, yeah, I'm about to fix this. <laughs> like I'm fixing, it's like I'm fixing my life. And, but I know that it's like, okay, but the only way I'm going to fix this, I got to do some things, but I got to allow some things. And then it turns out to be, a hundred times better than what I thought it would be. But I have to, in those moments, I don't stop until it looks the way I want it to look. It just may take a little bit longer. And I always have some pieces I can, I can do really, really quick, but it would, those, but it wasn't like me trying to do it really, really quick. It just happened that way. So that's one of the things I love about um, very in-depth pieces too, because I'm the type of person when I look at art, I look into the art. I want to see, what is that I see under there? Well, that's red underneath all that black. Like, how did it, I wonder how they did that. And I'm always fascinated with other artists because I know that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that like that. And uh, I, I think the same way about music. Whenever I see what people create, I'm fascinated by how they create it. And then I'm inspired to be more creative. Is that like, that's kind of like the circle, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, that was okay. 
let me let me be even more creative and then i create every time i do a painting i create a new process or a method of doing something and i just then i'll just do some pieces like that it's it's just, it's like a, it's a never it's a never ending uh well of things to do in, in creative spaces and that's why that's why i dabble in creativity so much because i never know what it's going to lead me to something uh, else when did you start when did you start painting I started painting like seriously. Uh, it was in 2000. It's because the music business had gotten really, really crazy. And I was like, I need to do something else. Otherwise, um, everything's going to blow up. And so I started in 2000. I was doing oil paint. And it was, it was funny because my first painting was, my first painting was a spaceship, some alien ship. And I was like, yo, this is weird. Of, 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 of course it was. It was the, mo the motherboard, the mothership. Of course. Because I, you know what's <laughs> funny about that painting is that I still have that painting. No, I gave it to my son nine. I, I have it. He has it rolled up in his closet. But then my second piece was because with oil paint, it takes so long to dry. So you can move the paint around for a long time. Yeah. It'll stay wet for weeks, right? And um I did a I did a nude because I was like, I want to see if I can blend. And I would I was blend with my fingers, not with the paint, not with a paintbrush. And I, I did a, it was a, it was a headless nude. No, there was no knees, <laughs> no legs. It was just the thighs. It was just like, it was almost like a bust, right? And I was like, wow. So then I would do, I did several pieces like that. And then I would do like a blend of like realism and abstract. And then mm -hmm. I took a break for a while. Like I would, I would take these breaks. I would paint for a while. And then I would have months where I wouldn't paint. Then I'll go off and on. And and then I want to say it was maybe 2015 when I started dabbling with um, acrylic paint. I was afraid to at first because I was like, it dries so fast. But then I was like, ah, oh, but for layering, it's perfect. So from that point on, I started painting a lot. And then in the last four years, I've painted like tons. It's like it's nonstop. I, I, I rarely, I'll probably take off maybe three, three to four weeks of not painting, and then I'm back on it. And and like like my last batch of paintings I did, it was twelve paintings I did in fourteen days. But it's like, wow. but I was working on it at the same time. It takes the same amount of energy to work on twelve at once as it does one. So it's like it, it became that. Um, it's just I don't know. It's just a. It's just a comfortable space to be in when I paint. Um, and especially when I don't have an agenda with it. Exactly. It's not like, like, does it, do you like paint in terms of series or do you paint in terms of whatever, like, you know, the mood is at that moment? It depends. Yeah. Like, so if I have a concept of, um, like, there was like a little piece on some of my paintings, I decided, oh, what if I did a piece that was, had this over the whole thing? Then once I got into it, I was like, okay, this is a lot more involved than what I thought, but it, it turned out to be awesome. So from that point on, I, I did like of those 12 pieces, all of them were somehow connected to that concept of what I did. So it, it just depends on, and then like, like for my place where I have here, it's like all my walls are white. So most of the pieces I have up are black because I just have white walls. So I'm like, yeah, let me just put some black up in here, you know? So, um, and, I, and it's, it's cool, it works out because working with just one or two colors is actually more involved and complex than people may think. 
You think like, yeah. hey, it's black. Like, yeah, but that means you have to be, you have to create texture. The texture that you create doesn't have to be black. It can be any other color. And then you go over with black. But then when you look into it, you see the depth of all I of those that. things that were done, you know? And, and then the, the power of, think about this. I have a process that, that I use. I just use white and off-white and black. It takes a lot of discipline. It takes more discipline to not use a bunch of colors. Because most people of think like, oh, a bunch of colors, but I'm like, no, nah, I'm just sticking with black. That takes discipline um, just to be, just to keep it that simple. It's because then it can be that powerful. Or like I have some pieces, it's just, it's a lot of white. You might see some little things here and there because it's all about on the painting, creating a focal point. And that focal I mean, point color doesn't have, it can be whatever you want. Exactly. And there's yeah. something that you mentioned when um, when we first met yeah. um, about what you actually put in every single one of your paintings. I think I was I was I was sharing the story about um, Salvador Dali and how Picasso was his mentor. And yeah. he had he had, a, you know, this fear that was within him, you know, subconscious fear. And when he would be painting. Um, Picasso told him that if you paint what you're fearful of and put it in, put it there. It's like, just like you were saying about putting yeah. your thoughts into words and just writing things down, how therapeutic right. that is, that's meditation. So Picasso told Dali, just paint what it is that you're fearful of, and then it'll dissipate. So he had a fear and it isn't a grasshopper. Do you remember? Right. Like, is it <laughs> It wasn't a grasshopper. People think, oh, Dali had a fear of grasshoppers. No, it's, it's it was it was it was the whole metaphor of of going forward, right? Because uh, grasshoppers can't go back; they can only go forward. Exactly. Once you go forward, you can never turn back. The back, the past is gone. So he had this fear of like ever going back. So in every single one of his paintings, if you look, you'll find a hidden grasshopper there, and one. Take a look, take a look. And you mentioned oh. something to me um, and to, uh, into the audience when um, at my seminar, like when we were doing the PLR, yeah. uh, what is it that you paint in every single one that like represents something of yours? In you every one of your was, paintings, you were mentioning that. It was, what it was, was that it was, a, um, it's like, a, it started out where I, I did these, it was two pieces that were, they were 30 by 60, so pretty, pretty big pieces, they side by yeah. side. And I had these, um, it's like red and gold squares. They were just randomly placed somewhere. And uh, um, my wife at the time said, hey, you should, um, you should do that on, um, on all your paintings. And I was thinking like, a red and gold square, nah. So, but the colors, the color concept, that red and gold together look good to me for some reason. For some reason, it just resonated with me, right? So I was like, oh, okay, I'm looking at that. But what I started doing was at the bottom of my paintings, I would draw this pyramid and the pyramid would be um, red and gold, but I would then tone it down with black. So I would paint the red and gold, it would be a metallic gold and this, this, this crimson red and then I would paint it black. And once the black dried, I would just rub it, scrub it and give it like some agitation. And then it would 
it would take on this this look that was like really really interesting i was like ah oh, that's it that became my thing so in addition to my signature that's uh, another way of expressing that this is this is one of my pieces um, and then i just found different ways of of doing it depending on what the painting was the shape of it um because i had to see like okay um when is depending on so that it doesn't because sometimes i like for it to be subtle and not just like sticking out there and sometimes mm -hmm. you can't you just can't help it but if it like if the surface of the painting is mostly white and you see it there is is you're going to see it but every artist has a thing with yeah. their their artwork it's the same thing in music like people can easily recognize my music i don't even it's something they say like i i always tend to say something even well, if it's, it's your soul signature you yes. hear it you feel yeah. it it's 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 in the vibration of tony rich you know it, yeah, it's, it's in it's your it, artwork i, I it's think there. that's a, yeah. yeah it's just an amazing thing because yeah. it's like you you wind up doing that without even sometimes intentionally doing it. You totally. stamp your work. It's like your work is stamped with your vibration some kind of way. Uh, and, I, and I think we all do it. Um, it's in, it's like, I don't know if anyone has ever told you this, but it's like with you, your, how you speak, the, the love is in your voice. It's how you say what you're saying to people, right? Whereas I would probably say it in a totally different way because we could be saying the same things, but your delivery is your delivery is loving. So you can't you can't ever feel like people can't really ever feel off put by you because the way you're saying it, it's like when Michael Jackson was telling his crew uh, in this in this movie, uh, this is it. But he said he was telling them something, and he ended it with he says, and I say that with love, L-O-V-E, love. <laughs> so occasionally I'll joke with people if, I, if, I, if I'm saying something they think is kind of heavy and I say, no, but I'm saying it with love, L-O-V-E, love, like Michael Jackson. I love that. So everybody oh, has, that, has that stamp, you know? And it's like, uh, it's, 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 it's that uniqueness of how you do what you do. It's like you can't, you can't, you just can't make it up. You're gonna deliver it how you deliver it. And that's the uniqueness between individual to individual it's like how we do what we do in music even in art we have limited materials in music we have 12 notes 12 keys uh a very limited amount of chords but it's about what are we going to do with that it's like we're all given the same type of clay and we have to shape and mold it in a unique way to make people say hey i want that because if not then if you're gonna if you're gonna do it just like the other person then what's the point that's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that also because yeah. of of your view of um, your perception of the way you interpret my my vibration too, because <laughs> I really needed that after this week. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> I've had, I've had um, some call me out that I don't say things with love this week, but it's also Mercury's in retrograde. We're going into <laughs> the eclipses and and um that sometimes maybe i'm i'm too straightforward and i'm like but i really didn't mean it in a way of in, insulting or it at all it's all it's all for um yeah to see, to, I get you that could just see what i see yeah 
and I and you're sitting there. It's so funny. And behind you is like pictures of all different. It's just stars. And literally, when you're oh speaking, yeah, that's, it's all black. It's all black, but it's but it, the stars are coming out, and that is actually the uniqueness of who each individual soul is there. Like it's it the is. way that one this sparkles thing. a little bit to the left, right. one sparkles more on on right. the top. One is, you know, it depends on the way the light is reflecting on it, you know, mm -hmm. and that truly is like of the uniqueness that the self-expression of who you are yeah. just um you know that's that's amazing what what advice if you would you give back to your 21 year old self when you first like went went back when you when you said you know what i'm getting into the music industry this is what i'm doing yeah. i'm following but what advice knowing that you know now you know um that what you would have done different would, yeah, what would you have done different or what would you have done more of, you know? It's a, it's a few things. I wouldn't have gotten married because I got married that first year. I was too young to get married. I did not know uh, what was required of me to be married at the same you time. You got married young, young. Yeah, and I, and I did not, I did not realize how much I was not going to be available physically to be there because I was going to be on the road so much. Um, the other thing was, and also because I became a very unpopular person in my house because I was gone so much. And I was not understood because I was here it was I was married to a person that wasn't creative and didn't understand creative people. So I wouldn't have done that. And um, I wouldn't have assumed that the people that I was working with professionally that they were my friends because mm, that's that a, was that's a, a big one yeah that was a thing in the music business it's always this whole yeah we family like no it's not that's not true and i and i also assumed that everybody that i knew that was doing music that we were all doing it for the same reason so that's all it was i made there was assumptions that i made every decision that i made business-wise i'm proud of i would i would make the same decision because, and some of them brought on some things that were very, very difficult to deal with, but I still would have made that same decision because it's about integrity. Um, but yeah, those are the things. It was just the assumptions that I made about people because I assumed that, hey, we're all in the music business. Yeah, we're family. Everybody's doing this for the same reasons. No, that's not true. It's not. And you will find that some people are just there just to make money. And if they're there just to make money, they will stab you in the back quick. And they will not care about your love and your commitment no. to your creative expression they won't care so those 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 assumptions um actually created some paths that i had to deal with um but i never saw what i had to deal with as being permanent it was all transitory it was like everything that has a beginning has an end you know and so i i, I was always like yep i'll be through with this in a minute no matter how long it takes i'll get through it that's the law of impermanence. But I'll tell you something that, you know, greed is ugly. It is. Greed is ugly. Greed, greed is really ugly, especially when, and love isn't ownership either, you know, especially when you're a tool or a pawn. There's, um, is there a book like, it's almost like the life lessons of when you're a kid, you know, the five life lessons in kindergarten or all I, all I really needed to learn, I learned in kindergarten. I know there's some, okay. there's a book like that. We yeah, have yeah. to, we have to look it up after this, but it's like almost like a, the life lessons of your, you know, of just like the first year in the music industry 
yeah. following your passion of like you, you, all those laws of the universe, they come in, you know, they're not really your friends. <laughs> Number one, follow your dreams. Don't be a yeah. sheeple. Exactly. You know, everything comes to an end. Um, you know, like it's, it's, um, yeah. So it's, it's pretty insightful. Just yeah, that one year, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was a school. It was like being in music business, was like going to a university. And then you realize like, ah, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. It's not anything like you think it's going to be. And then once you're in it, you're like, if you are a grounded person, everything that rubs you wrong about it is going to be enough reason for you to realize that this is not about me. I'm not, I'm not with this. I'll navigate through and, and do, do the business I need to do, but nah, I'm not resting my head here. This is not home for me. And that was my thing. Like, I've never, even, even when I think of the planet and I'm like, when people are like, yo, so why, you know, because um, I firmly believe that, yo, live in as many places as you can in a lifetime, for a time. You don't have to live nowhere forever, you know, but exactly. move around, plant yourself, plant yourself experience and then move on, go somewhere else. You know, my grandmother taught me that. You know, once you, once you, whenever you can, move, experience, live, love, be inspired, create, and then move again, do it again, just keep doing it. And you'll, your life, you'll have a much more fulfilling life because you are doing everything that you want to do. And as my, as my aunt told me, hey, as long as you're doing what you want to do, and it makes you happy, and you're not hurting yourself or anybody else, there can be nothing wrong with it at all you know that's, that's, true, that's yeah. a very important thing just to just to be alive and aware of who you are but at the same time having no fear to be who you are and who you're becoming that's the other part that some people have missed it's like yo if you're an ever-evolving individual you're always constantly changing and so therefore don't be afraid of that change be open to it don't be so rigid on all your different beliefs Hey, you know, make it a little bit fluid. You might, like, I can't tell you what I'm going to like or dislike next week from today. I don't know. I, I can tell you I won't be eating any meat, but outside of that, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to eat. But that's know. the nectar, but you're drinking the nectar of life. You know, this is, there's so many places, there's so many experiences, there's so many people. And, you know, there's definitely a bigger picture. We don't know it all. We're We're just... We're ex it's experience, but it's about experiencing things with integrity and with unconditional love. It's not the intention to hurt. It's the intention of sharing, you know, and I love, I love that, you know, like my husband and I, we were talking today, like, what are we, what are we going to do um, for summer break with the kids? I have right. a child that's going to be going to college in the next year. And we're like, well, are we going to be traveling and looking at universities? Where should we go? And, and um, it's, it's, not just staying put in this one area as much as I want my kids close to me because yeah. I'm such a mama bear and I'm intuitive and I know a lot of things but right. it's it's they're such amazing kids it's just I want them to have the experience of their individuality yeah. and what it's and and to see and experience as much as they could possibly experience because we have just sure. a few how many breaths on this planet earth there is a certain limited limitations and we don't know we don't know 
And I love the way that you are living your life, the way you're expressing your love through your arts, through your words, through everything. And if some people want to see your artwork, is it out there? Is it somewhere on display? Can people, you know? No, I haven't. Um, I haven't started posting yet. Um, but please. And um, it's it's interesting because my oldest son, he's 24. Well, he's about to be 24. He he lives in Brooklyn actually, and he's an artist. He's an actor. He was right near me. Yeah. He just moved mm -hmm. back. He, he, he left there for a few months and then he, mm -hmm. he, but he went there, he moved there straight out of college because he went to uh, Carnegie Mellon. Once he graduated, Amazing. he moved to New York. And, uh, but I told him, we had this conversation. It was a really beautiful conversation because for a couple of years, you know, we, our relationship was kind of weird because he was in a different headspace. But we were talking and he said, uh, I could hear that he was, crying. I said, dude, what are you doing? He says, oh, I'm just standing outside holding on to this tree crying, right? And I said, hold on to a tree. Weird. And he said, dad, I just want to apologize to you because for so long, I did not understand how you moved and why you moved that way. But mm. now I do. And I said, that's because you moved the same way. As a creative, he started saying things and just like, he didn't understand me until he started understanding himself. That was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I was like, and I, and I love the fact that he went to Carnegie Mellon because Carnegie Mellon was, there's a, such a mixture of different types of people. Diversity, yeah. Right, and I knew that would set him up for how the actual world is. And um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she went to uh, Howard, which was not a huge reflection of that. This is HBCU, so it's, she would have more right. of an adjustment, but she's adjusted once she adjusted once she got out of college. And then my youngest daughter, she's very well adjusted of being around different types of people. So they all spread out. So my son is in New York, my oldest daughter's in Detroit, my youngest daughter is in Texas, and my youngest son is in, in Atlanta. So it's like, I just love the fact that they are now living their lives, moving around, doing their thing, you know, and and they're all going to understand me more by being who they are because they have that same creative spirit about them. And I was like, listen, just let it all out, man. Just realize you have a lifetime to be creative in all these different ways. Pick one to start with and then do all the rest of them over time. And I, and I told them, I said, listen, you'll be happier the more true you are to yourself. Because they always ask me questions about all types of things and I always tell them the truth. And the point I would, the reason why I would tell them the truth, because I'm like, yo, y'all, you're not ever going to be able to say I lied to you about anything, even Santa Claus. Because people would yep. tease me, like, why'd you tell your kids there's no Santa Claus? Uh -huh. I, said, I, did, I did the same. <laughs> Santa Claus? Like, your parents yeah. buy you those gifts. I'm like, yep. I'm not, not going to start. I said then, I said, listen, I'm not going to start lying to you. I'm just not. There's no, but no I love that. Yeah. It's you're, you're teaching them in order to be a, you know, it, well, you're being a great parent to them because you learned how to be a great parent to yourself. Good point. That's really, point. how could you, you know, like people are like, oh, I love my kids so much. I love them. I love them. There's actually a universal law. You can't love somebody more than you love yourself. No. Unless you no. love yourself, there's no way that you can, you know, love any other human being or sentient being unless you right. feel that love for yourself so yeah. what an amazing gift you are to your children to humanity even 
to the cosmos with that first spaceship, you know, picture <laughs> that you did and the stars behind you. And let me tell you something after this call, we'll talk, but you know, knowing, you know, that I do something called the destiny um, uh, sessions and you are yeah. something where you and I are actually from the same place. It's called star karma and star, star karma, star karma are, it's like these sister planets that incarnate. I know we're getting really esoteric. So whoever's listening to this podcast, if this is too woo woo, you can, yeah, yeah. You, can <laughs> you can just you can just like you know find Tony Rich on TonyRich.com and and you can stop it here. But this is we're going woo woo a little bit. So they're they're seven sister planets, and these are you can tell like another star karma person can tell of it's like soul recognition that they're from the same place. You just know it. And it's the the eyes or the windows to the soul. You right. feel immediately, you know, right. you actually are from that place from star karma, like regular. I don't want to say regular because there's no such thing as regular. Everyone is a unique being. Yeah. But um, people go through around 45 to 50 different life lessons, like of universal right. laws that they have to go through. Right. Star karma do not. And I'll explain. Star karma are people that are they have um, they resonate differently. They sure. vibe in a different way. How do you know? How do you know this? They're usually creatives. They're usually very avant-garde. They are the rebellious child. They're sometimes <laughs> even where they would feel like almost sometimes that they're an orphan child. And I'll explain why. It's yeah. like where do I fit in? You know, like <laughs> I, how did I end up here? Let me, you know, like it's even something like that. But star karma people have a they go through not just one life lesson. It's almost like seven simultaneous at the same time. So yeah. sometimes you feel like you're like in parallel lives, you know, parallel lives. Yeah. So it's actually people think, oh, well, you only have to go through those seven different lessons. So it's much easier than going through 45 or 50 something. Yeah. But in reality, those other people go through one and then they go to another lifetime. They incarnate. Then they go through another one mm -hmm. and they... and star karma go through seven think of like the star of david right a star and that's what it looks like and you're in the middle and every single triangle as soon as you said pyramid i knew immediately that that was every single triangle which is a pyramid it's the threes right has a certain lesson associated with it and there's right. six other corners and the first one you are in the center of it and if it's the love that you have for yourself and then yeah. you could go and fill in every other triangle, exactly. which by the way, yeah. And the triangle, which is the number of three and yeah. your son and you know, your son who's nine, right. Yeah. It's like the power of threes. And yesterday when we got off the phone talking yeah, about yeah. numerology, <laughs> it was three, 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 which is just, yeah. it's, it's, it's just being cognizant and being aware Right. Of, of of the moment the universe speaks to us at all times so all it's time. um this is all yeah. about if you're paying attention yeah that's it it's just that's totally it's all about if you're paying attention i remember talking with a friend of mine and i said listen i know that you're probably thinking that what i'm saying sounds like it's coming out of the blue and random it's all over the place but i promise you it all connects and they're like yeah okay and then i connect it and it's like uh because I said, listen, I speak more freely when I feel comfortable around people. That's mm -hmm. when it starts to flow. But, I've, I've, but I also had to come to understand that with certain people, they would, if I'm talking about a certain something, 
they're not in that headspace. It's going to go over their head. So I had to then start to detect like, hmm, nah, I can't, I can't talk to this person about that kind of thing. They're not there yet. And I, then I just started to learn how to be more uh, attentive to what I know a person could handle or not. So there have been plenty of times where I have taught people out of interacting with me because I'm like, yeah, you ain't ready for this. And yeah, like, it's like it's like it's, then, it's a barometer. It's a barometer, right? You know? I'm like, no, this is gonna be yeah. this is gonna be a, a bit much for you because I do not think in conventional conventional ways, and you, you'll mm-hmm. probably find some of my views to be a little uh, require you to be a way that you don't want to be at this point in your life. And so I would say that just just to save them time and energy, me and save me time and energy because I don't have time to babysit people's emotions or their lack of understanding based upon because that's that's not where they are. And because sometimes when you are that type of person and you have that vibration, you automatically come across as being intimidating to people. Totally. And you also come across as knowing it all when and mm-hmm. when in fact you don't think that you know it all. They think that you think you know it all because they think you know it all, but they don't like the fact that they think that. No, and it's none of our business of what they think of us exactly. (laughs) So what happens is when you put when you put people in Mm -hmm. the room that are thinking the same way, it's not a big deal. It's just like, no, it's not weird. It's just like, yeah, yeah, I get that. So when you're saying certain things, I'd be like this. "Mm -hmm." Or when we got off the phone yesterday and I see my phone see three, three, three. And what's crazy is as I'm screenshotting it, sending it to you, you was sending a text that said 333. Yes. <laughs> because we noticed that, you know, so the average person would not notice that. They wouldn't, they, they wouldn't think twice about it. It's just like, oh, 333 is like, no, we just ended our call at 333. Or here's another uh, good example. My friend, John, John played um, professional ball. John Sally, he played for the Pistons, Lakers, right? Of course. His number when he played ball was 22. His company that the company that his daughter uh, she has a cannabis company is called Deuces Twenty Two. The longest conversation he and I ever had, we talked for twenty two minutes, right? <laughs> we never talked that long. And when I saw it, I sent him a message. I said, "Dude, we just talked for twenty two minutes." <laughs> <laughs> How ironic is that? So I pay attention to things like that. You know, it's like I thought that was so cool. That's awesome. That's the way that's the way they, they speak to us. Is and it's validation. It's when we see those numbers, you know, it's it's there. And 333 is the energy of um of connecting to the inner child, connecting of what your true happiness is, you know, right. of letting go and surrendering. And two and 22, by the way, um, that equals the number four. That's the vibration of foundation and trusting yourself. Gotcha. That's that's yeah. That's, um, I could speak for hours with you. Oh my God, but I'm going to play a game with you. We're going to close it. But um, <laughs> if people do want to find out more about like your artwork, I know you didn't post it yet, but I cannot wait until you do. Um, how can they- on Instagram. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Beautiful. My, my Instagram, how- that's uh, uh, the Tony Rich. So the that's- The Tony Rich. Yeah. yeah. So that's T-H-E-T-O-N-Y-R-I-C-H. Awesome. Awesome. We'll have that in the show notes for everyone. All right. Yeah. Ready? We're going to, we're going to play this or that. Ready? This or that. All right. Okay. Day or night. Day or night. Night. Okay. Um, 
pizza or tacos? Pizza. <laughs> um, mountains or oceans? Oceans. Hmm. Comedies or documentaries? Comedies or documentaries? Mm-hmm. I can't say both. Oh man. Okay. A docu-comedy. A docu-comedy. We have to make one. <laughs> I, I love documentaries, but I love to laugh. So comedies are good. And quite honestly, Dave Chappelle is like watching a comedy documentary. Oh. But if I, if I had to lay it down, I think that I would, I, I think I would say documentaries because I, I tend to learn a lot from those. Dave Chappelle is freaking awesome. You're a hundred. Yeah, Dave Chappelle. Wait, he does. Does Dave Chappelle have a documentary, by the way? No. Maybe that would. Okay. But Don't if he should. did, I, it would be the best. It would be. I love to laugh, but I would. I would say that documentaries, because documentaries usually are are going to definitely teach you something. Whereas when it comes to comedies, you, you never know. Not all comedies hmm. are very educational like that. Oh, but there's so much truth to comedies. I could tell yes, you that. It, yes, it oh, is. it's all truth. <laughs> tell you know, this is speaking from a, a, Rus a Russian uh, Brooklyn girl. You know, yeah. trust me, everything is about sarcasm, <laughs> and it's all truth. Dog, dog or cat? Dog or cat? Mm -hmm. I would have to say dogs because I'm allergic to cats. There you go. Me too. Um, phone call or text? I will say phone call because I think that text is text is great for play, but the phone call is phone calls can be orgasmic. Mm, I love that. Now, this is really interesting for a fellow creative musician. When you're walking, um, will, would you rather listen to music or a podcast? Hmm. Music. There you go. All right, cook or order in? Cook. I'm a chef. You're a vegan chef? I'm a vegan chef, yes. The promise, no my, cooking, my cooking will lay you out. That's how some of my friends become interested in being a vegan or even segue into being a vegan is they try my cooking. Yeah, I, I would much prefer cooking than going to a restaurant. I probably eat at a restaurant maybe once a month, if that, I cook most of the time. But it's art, you're expressing art. This is amazing. Is. Cooking oh and food, mixing, you know, flavors and yep. things. You can be really creative in the kitchen. I love, I love cooking. There's a lot of love that goes in that in the cooking. That's what my son a lot, said. He says, a lot really of love. You put love in it. So you're right. Oh, that's always yeah. the secret ingredient, you know. Mm -hmm. And thank you so much for reminding us that actually love is a secret ingredient through it's the it's your muse. You know, it was it was so much fun speaking with you. I could do this all day with you. Right, right now it's two five five, but I could speak until. Three, three, three. <laughs> but, but it's it's been amazing, Tony. You know, it's such yeah, a pleasure. Friend. Truly, truly, truly. You're such you're such a beautiful inspiration and such an amazing light. So, respecting you. Oh, thank you, yeah. thank you so much. And until next time, I look forward to speaking to you again. Yes. Thank.
Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much. Right.